Hey now, and welcome to Quantum Drive. I'm Rob. I'm Katie. And our ongoing mission is to discuss every episode of The Orville. Today we're discussing Season 1, Episode 12, the season finale. Season finale! I know, already. Mad Idolatry. It's written by Seth MacFarlane and directed by Brandon Braga. There are no new reviews this week, but if you would like us to read one of your reviews on an upcoming episode, all you need to do is go to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating, and write a review down below, and we will read it on an upcoming episode. If you'd like to send us an email, you can email quantumdrive at thegeekgeneration.com. You can follow us on Twitter at quantumdrivepod. And if you'd like to join our Discord, you can do so at thegeekgeneration.com slash Discord. Before we talk about the episode, Katie's got trivia. I sure do. So there's not a ton of trivia tonight, but we got a couple little things in here. So, you know, there's those three people that are hung. Yes. Hanged? Hung. Hang- hanging. Hung, They're currently hanging. hanging. They're currently hanging um, for not believing in the idol Kelly. Yes. One of those people hanging there is named Alina Andrea. I believe that's how you say her name. Okay. And she is the stunt double for the Krill School teacher, Talea. Oh, cool. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah. So if you paid attention during the opening credits, John Lamar now has been promoted and he is also promoted in the credits and it went from lieutenant to lieutenant commander. Ooh, I yes. know. Promotion. I love that they did that. Yeah. Good stuff. So actor Scott Grimes um, has said that this has been one of the best hours of television he's ever been a part of. So like this specific episode. Oh, wow. I know, which I mean, I know we'll get into the episode, but yeah. I, spoiler alert, really enjoyed this one. <laughs> Same. <laughs> uh, there's a point where Lieutenant Malloy is holding a pair of binoculars, but they said they are, in fact, a repainted toy periscope from a game called Subassault. <laughs> and so I kind of want to Google Subassault and see what that is. But I that that to me is... It, expert prop making like repurposing things at first i thought maybe they broke it off like a larger periscope thing but it's probably one of those not augmented reality but like you probably look through it and you see whatever you would see through the periscope and then move it around almost like Mm -hmm. an advanced um what you call it I know what you're talking about. The uh, one with the for people that can't see i'm making a kaleidoscope no no uh (laughs) oh oh viewmaster viewmaster Yes. So it's like an advanced Viewmaster. Yeah. So if you look up a sub-assault game toy binocular, it's one of those that has been repainted and repurposed for the show. I'm going to find a picture of that or a video of that. I'm going to put that in the show notes. Do it because it's, it's I think that's a really cool thing. I yeah. don't know. And then the last fun fact I have is the injured girl that Kelly heals. Her name is Jasper McPherson, and she's a daughter of the show's associate producer, Aaron McPherson. Oh, nice. Yeah. So I thought, I don't know. I I think it's cool when they put the crew's kids in the show. I, I, I don't know. I think we've seen that a decent amount here and there throughout the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I like like the stunt double having the daughter of an associate producer. Just mm-hmm. kind of cool little nods to the people behind the scenes, too. Agreed. So those are all the trivia and fun facts for this episode. And there were no guests that I saw okay. this time around. None of significant trek or mcfarlane connection not this time but i'm very hopeful for future episodes (laughs) (laughs) all right let's talk about the episode then we begin with ed wrapping up his shift and making social calls to several of his crewmates gordon is already in his pajamas john is spending time with a lady friend but bordis (laughs) invites him in they share a drink of opsada before playing a round of latchcom a game that doesn't end well for ed as the latchcom extends a blade that pierces his hand I really, this is a long opening sequence, but I really enjoyed it because mm-hmm. it was like he's going around trying to find somebody to hang out with after shift and everybody's busy. I mean, I did love that Bordis invited him in. It was pretty much hot potato. Yeah. With, with knives. Potato. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Killer. I, cause I was like, oh, I didn't remember a lot about the episode, but they're throwing it around. I'm like, oh, it's like hot potato. And I was like, I forgot how this ends. And then the knife through the hand. Yeah. I also thought the drink is absada. Mm hmm. I mean, it was so thick. It was super thick. And I really want to know what it was actually made out of. I know. Because I was like, oh, maybe it's chocolate milk. And I'm like, no, it's too thick for chocolate milk. And I mean, he still drank it. He did. 
Wow, that's excellent. That is something I just remember yeah. where it's like, it turns into, a, he just found out it turns into a parasite in your body. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to try this because I don't want to be rude. That Yeah, that would be an absolute no. As soon as you say parasite, I'm done. Mm-hmm. And then I, I don't think Bordis um, or Clyden would have been very much like, oh, well, that's rude. I think they would have right. been like, oh, all right, that's fine. Yeah, I mean, they said that Latchcomb wouldn't be a game for him. They would know that his stomach can't handle the stuff that theirs can a parasite <laughs> i don't think they'd be offended i did like learning about the mockland culture a little mm. more though that i really enjoyed and i thought this was a cool way to do that you just have a casual uh oh god what is it called nightcap yeah with uh, with bordis and you find out a little bit more about what a nightcap is for mocklands <laughs> i thought it was just a nice way to get a little character flair for all of them like even though mm-hmm. we only saw brief glimpses of gordon and john it was just like a little addendum to all the stuff that we've seen for them already. Mm-hmm. I really appreciated Gordon's. I don't remember exactly what he said, but he's like, I'm all jammed up or whatever. Yeah, I'm all or, jammed up, jammed out I, or whatever I'm it all was. Jam- yeah. And I was like, that's exactly how I am. I get in my jammies <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I can't go out now. I'm in my pajamas. <laughs> mm. Both the um the Opsada and the Latchcomb feel like very Klingon type things to me, too. Like the mm-hmm. Mocklins are borderline Klingon in a lot of ways. Yeah, I've fallen down the rabbit hole of looking at Klingon culture and it's just like the food and everything. And it is very similar. Like yeah. it's got a similar vibe to it, which is why I like, learn. I don't know. I like the glimpses into the different alien races because I mean, I can relate to stuff from the human race, mm-hmm. but just to create a whole new world, like I would never drink thick. I think he called it like poo liquid or something, poo drink or <laughs> he whatever. Said something along the lines of it looking yeah. better on the way out than on the way in. <laughs> in. And that's one of the things that I've really enjoyed about Star Trek in this show is that it helps my imagination flourish in different ways. It may, it challenges you to think about things other than just like Earth and what we actually have around us. Mm-hmm. And I think it's cool that he had an openness to drinking something with a parasite and trying a game. He had no idea how dangerous it was and it's all a good representation of how lonely he is just reaching out to anybody Mm -hmm. back in his quarters mercer calls kelly and the two grab a drink in the mess hall as they're chatting ed brings up derulio and how he implied the affair wasn't actually kelly's fault he then admits he still has feelings for her and asks her on a proper date which she agrees to i like that they were both in their pajamas pretty much good point and I, so when he called her, did she answer it or did it just pull her up on I the screen? I think it just pulled her up. We see that in a lot of sci-fi type stuff. Yeah. I wonder if they just have like an okay on that. Like they've mm-hmm. preset something where like, hey, if Ed calls me, just come right up. It's not a problem. Maybe it's because he's the captain and he has like some sort of overarching look we've seen people open all the doors with no hesitation so it is true there just seems to be not as much privacy in the future i've noticed true true Uh, i did think it was interesting they talking about derulio though because he's coming back in i do like that there's always like a thread Mm -hmm. tying the episodes together and how you know the discussion was more concrete about he probably was in heat when all of that happened, but it doesn't erase everything that happened after that. True. But it does seem like they're more open to being lovers again. I mean, she said, yeah, so. Mm-hmm. The next morning, Mercer and Grayson are a bit hungover on the bridge. Bordis and Isaac detect a nearby spatial anomaly, so Grayson, Malloy, and Isaac take a shuttle to investigate more closely. Would you not think there'd be a hangover cure in the future? One would think so. I mean, in TNG, they had the synthahol thing to prevent it in the first place. I can see mm-hmm. why this crew would want alcohol, but like actual alcohol. Yeah, yeah it was interesting because I was like, the two high ranking officers are kind of incapacitated a little bit because of drinking. Doesn't seem like the greatest idea, but we all make mistakes. <laughs> and I, I do think I think because they were celebrating like oh, we might have a future together. Mm-hmm. I think they're both lonely to a certain extent. They had one too many whiskeys or bourbons. And uh, I'm surprised nobody on the the bridge was like, hey, are you guys OK? Because they were like really hungover. <laughs> or like, you know, take a little time. Be like, Bordis, you have command this morning. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go have some greasy food. <laughs> yeah, they have that prerogative. <laughs> mm-hmm. It seemed interesting to me, too, that they took a shuttle to do this. So 
we had seen in the past that they had left a message buoy at one point mm-hmm. for when they took the Orville away and then came back. We haven't seen them use any kind of like probes or anything yet, though. Well, that is true. Which I thought about during this. I'm like, oh, why wouldn't you send a probe out there? And I was like, wait, we haven't seen probes yet. Or were there other scans that they could have done? Yeah. And if they you needed know? to get closer, was taking the shuttle a way to prevent the Orville from being put in danger? Like, why take the shuttle instead of just taking the Orville closer? Like, I know storyline wise, they had yeah. to because they had to have the shuttle crash on the planet. But I'm thinking outside of the story for a moment just because yeah. that's what we do. <laughs> I think that it was probably obviously story driven, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I don't think we have seen much like of there is the buoy that they left, but I haven't I don't think there's been any probes at all. No. So maybe this ship isn't either equipped with them or since it's kind of like an exploratory vessel, which you would think there'd be probes on an exploratory vessel. Right? But maybe there's been pro- maybe there is some sort of. This is headcanon. <laughs> there were probes on an exploratory vessel. Something bad happened, and then they were all revoked, and now none of them have <laughs> probes on them anymore. One person screwed up and ruined it for the entire <laughs> Union. That's the yeah, way it always so happens. Yeah, and so now no ships have probes, and they have to take shuttles to investigate things. <laughs> That's it. We're writing it now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think it's funny, too, that we're on the season finale, and they're still standing up behind the two front chairs in the shuttle when there are four empty chairs behind them well she was chugging water too she was but being that hungover take a seat (laughs) but the view is better i don't know it is interesting i think it's it's obviously for camera shots yeah but realistically they'd be sitting in seats it's so funny to see and it's Mm -hmm. something i never really noticed on the first watch through but since we analyze it the way we do now it sticks Mm -hmm. out to me every time now and I actually find it humorous at this point. Yeah. Well, I, I do think it's funny, though, because she's just drinking a glass of water, too. Mm-hmm. And there's a more ca- like cavalier kind of casual nature. Yeah. To everything. And I think maybe that's part of why it's like, I'll just stand here. But also, it's so dangerous when they did hit the atmosphere. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, you should be in your seat. You don't know what's going to happen. Especially after the... The things they've been through this season, you would think that they'd be like, mandate, everybody's got to sit in the shuttle. Seatbelts all the time. <laughs> yeah, seatbelts all the time. I mean, with even with the kids in the episode with Dr. Finn and Isaac mm-hmm. throwing toys around, something should be enforced at this stage. As the shuttle approaches, Isaac begins to detect something they can't explain when suddenly an entire planet appears and they find themselves within its atmosphere. Having lost partial helm control, they take the shuttle down. It's it's very Earth-like. Very, yeah. But it, you know, they, they were able to, like, maintain control and land the shuttle, which is good. Not dying is great, yeah. Yeah, not dying is a good thing. <laughs> is this the part where Isaac said the pissy comment? Yes. Like, which I, I'm sorry. I thought the humor was really good in this episode. <laughs> when he was like, uh, how does uh, the captain put it? Pissy. And I was just like, I don't know. I think it's because Isaac delivering lines like that, mm-hmm. but... He just says them so matter-of-factly. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It was just interesting that they kind of landed there, and he kind of warned about the cultural contamination. Mm-hmm. And she just kind of was like, I'm just going to go check some things out, and contaminated the culture. <laughs> <laughs> so Yeah. As Isaac and Malloy begin repairs on the shuttle, Grayson sets off to explore the planet. She notices humanoid life forms at a village in the distance with a Bronze Age level of development and decides to take a closer look. Do they not have like like something that like, well, he had the binoculars. I was going to say the same thing. Like, and I thought about it at this point, too. I was like, you must have something where you can get a closer look without throwing yourself right into a place where you're going to be noticed. And then later Mm -hmm. in the episode, when Gordon has the binoculars, I'm like, come on. Yeah. And the thing is, too, she's wearing a bright blue uniform yes sticking out you can't camouflage like oh i'm behind a tree like you were wearing something so drastically different than like a bronze age attire yep the thing that was crazy she's going down the hill she steps on a twig or a stick Mm -hmm. and then the kids see her why and the kid falls like granted the kid hurt herself pretty bad but why would she heal her or go down to her it didn't look fatal to me and i was like yeah it's a child but i was like you just talked about cultural contamination And then you go, yeah, I'm going to heal it with my magic stick, like essentially. Well, it's because she felt responsible, really. But, you know, kind of like the prime directive, though. Do you kind of just go, 
oops, that kid got hurt because I stepped on a stick. But my immediate thing is like, run back to the ship. No one's going to believe a child. <laughs> I, I, I can kind of justify that. I caused that injury. Therefore, I need to heal that injury. But you're right. It's not helping. Am I a monster? <laughs> <You're>, I <feel> like, <laughs> not a I'm monster. like, leave the child to bleed. Run up the hill. No, I, I think like it's it was a borderline injury too. like we don't know what their medical advances are. Maybe an infection in that would have actually killed the kid. But. Think of all the people who died in the name of Kelly because of what she did. She didn't have that foresight. One yes. child's life. <laughs> That's so terrible. I'm not a bad person. I promise. Um, I feel like I was just thinking, though, like you said, didn't look like a fatal injury. Granted, she may have gotten sepsis. We don't know. Mm -hmm. But Kelly decided to take a closer look. And with that, I believe there's that risk. Oh, yeah. She made a choice. The wrong choice, but she made a choice. <laughs> she made a choice. And then, um, yeah, I just think about it's like the whole philosophical thing. Like you run in front of the train and save four people or. But again, she didn't have that foresight or yeah. the, even thought of I'm going to be a deity. Essentially, I think it's <laughs> I think it's an in the moment decision. You hurt somebody, yeah. you help them out and you don't even really think about it. Plus, mm -hmm. let's not forget she's hungover on top of everything. I did forget about that because I, I mean, it's good. She's helping a small child. Like, that's a good person thing to do. It is. Her judgment might just be off right now, too, though, at mm -hmm. the same time, as far as considering the bigger picture of all mm -hmm. that. She uses the dermo scanner to heal the girl's injury, which is seen by a group of indigenous adults. As she runs back to the shuttle, the young girl says, Kelly. Indigenous adults. I love it. <laughs> that was the word you used. But yeah, where did all those people come from? There was just like a herd of people that showed up. They must have been all in a group, probably. And the kids were just running ahead, as kids do. One of the things I thought was really interesting that came up later in the episode is Kelly was moving quick when she saw the adults. Mm -hmm. When they went in the future and saw the statue of her, the detail on the statue was like to a T to her badge. And I was like, I mean, did the child just remember it that way or they nailed everything as far mm -hmm. as that goes? The statue, the stained glass window we see later, everything is like perfect. Yeah. But I guess if you had an experience like that. Yeah. Maybe it's just that much more ingrained in your memory. Well, yeah. If you just had someone take out a magic stick and heal your face wound. Right. Sure but I, I thought it was interesting that she just turned and ran up the hill. Wouldn't someone follow her? They were all shocked. Yeah. But again, would you, okay, did, I wonder if they saw her heal the child or if the child was like, she healed my face because I... I think they caught the tail end of it. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it is kind of like the performing miracles thing, but I just thought it was interesting that that was the moment she's like, there's too many adults here. I got to run away because they'll remember me. Yeah. No <laughs> one's going to, no one's going to believe a kid. But when the adults see me, bye. That kid would have lived in, <laughs> when called crazy, all sorts of things if the adults hadn't been there. In his office, Mercer is filling Admiral Ozawa in on the details of their discovery, but leaves out the part about Grayson's interference. Kelly asks him why, and he says that it wasn't worth getting her into trouble over something as minor as it was. But it was important, and it's totally because he's in love with her and he's trying to protect her. Yep, which is, you know, kind of what the episode's about a bit. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> on the it's side. It's playing favorites, yeah, you know, but at the same time, he's just... Yeah, because he made a comment like, "You, I don't want to come visit you in prison kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So it's 100% because he's got, he's got feelings for her and he doesn't want anything bad to happen. But it does cloud his judgment, Absolutely. which does come up later on. Yep. Yeah, 100%. He should have included that in the report. Mm -hmm. Better than lying about it and getting caught later, for sure. Mm -hmm. As they continue to observe the planet from the bridge, it suddenly disappears. Isaac and Lamar speculate that the planet is locked in a multiphasic orbit meaning that it exists in their universe for a brief time before shifting to another universe, a back and forth it will continue to do. They conclude that it should return to their universe in 11 days. I love this concept. Mm -hmm. It's really cool the way that they did it on the show, too, where every time it came back, it looks slightly different. Mm. Well, yeah, it would have to. Like the final phase when it came back, I was like, that's like such a cool future planet. It looked like a Borg planet. It did. And... <laughs> Part of me, well, I'll talk about it later okay. when we get to that part, but I just think that the concept is really neat to kind of go through centuries and just, I feel like conceptually, this would be a really hard episode to kind of like put together mm -hmm. just because there's so many little details and you have to come up with a new civilization every 700 years. Mm -hmm. And I, I just really enjoyed that 
I don't know. I've never seen a concept like this. I don't think I've seen similar things, but not all of them together like this. Yeah. The multiphasic planet is the the cooler of the ideas, in my opinion. And they help facilitate the like time differential and stuff like that. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, we'll talk about all that as it comes up <laughs> for sure. With some time to kill, Ed and Kelly have their date in his quarters. As Ed is still a horrible cook, he's prepared some peanut butter and jelly sandwiches as a backup. The scene ends with a kiss between the two. Ooh la la. I feel like the date night close was my favorite part just to see like, I know Rob's rolling his eyes at me, everybody. I'm just letting you know. But it is like my, my favorite thing is seeing like how they live their lives outside of just being on the bridge yeah and i i don't know i thought it was cool like my eye roll is not because you're commenting on the fashion it's because i also commented on the fashion (laughs) okay because i i think it's really interesting to see that different dynamic of the crew and the fact that they just had a date night in his quarters Mm -hmm. versus i mean there's probably no there's kind of a restaurant maybe on board there is but i don't think they want to publicize it that's true so like they're they're still dressing up and what I thought was interesting when I was watching it, I was like, say if they had stayed together, they probably would not have been having that date. Like if they were still like in a relationship right, and stuff. Right. They probably wouldn't be serving on the same ship like that because that mm-hmm. would have been problematic from the get go. Mm-hmm. So it was just interesting to me, like the the fact that he cooked for her, then he had backup sandwiches. And, you know, it was interesting to see, you know, Ed st- like stumbling over his words mm-hmm. and. That they they do have feelings for each other again. And it's like, well, where is this going to go? Because this could be problematic, like you said, for manning the ship and being practical about decisions, like telling an admiral that Kelly healed a small child on the planet's service. Yeah, that's definitely not in their current mindset, though. They're just like, hey, is this a thing that can happen? Like, they're not mm-hmm. thinking about the potential consequences right now. Uh, my My fashion thing was like, what's up with Ed's shoulder pads? Hey, it's the future. Yeah, but I feel like I feel like sci-fi fashion generally favors women more than men. Like men always end up looking silly and women get like great <laughs> outfits. It's true. Kelly looked great. Yeah. Ed's Ed shirt. I was like, hmm, interesting dress up shirt for men. But like, how do you future futurize like men's fashion? I don't know. I guess I've seen some stuff on like <laughs> I'm thinking of Batman Beyond where <laughs> they literally just had like regular clothes, but they would add more like geometric designs on them. Yeah, but like would a button down shirt still be like a thing of the future? I don't know. I guess in this future, it's not. Look, I'm not saying I can do better. <laughs> I'm just saying <laughs> women generally fend better than men. Though there were some interesting, remember in the Priya episode. Yeah, she had some rough outfits too, though. (laughs) She had some interesting things. And I think it is tough to hold that line of it's the future. But if you had like a button down, it would be too much like what we're used to. So he he got shoulder pads, unfortunately. But I've seen worse. True. Very true. I actually didn't mind it. I was like, this is like nice date night clothes. It's not bad. It's just the shoulder pads. That was all. (laughs) I feel like it was more of a shoulder ruffle. Oh, I, th- I thought it was like a rubber pad on there. I could be wrong. <laughs> oh, I was looking at like the tops of the shoulders. I think there's like kind of like a little ruffle oh, up okay. there too. <laughs> but there's probably some sort of like leather pad on the side. Also. The um the separate peanut butter and jelly sandwiches was a smooth move too. That's that's clever. <laughs> I would be upset if I bit into a sandwich though, expecting peanut butter and jelly, and it was just full jelly. Well, yeah, but that's clever. That's that's a good move. I would be upset. <laughs> I'd be like, excuse me, um, where's my peanut butter? It was it was very endearing with how he was stumbling over his words. Yeah. And yeah, like it was cute, but it's very jarring to bite into a sandwich when you expect one thing. <laughs> Don't mess with Katie's food. Bottom line. Yeah, I, but it is. It's funny, too. She's like, because he's like, I know you love peanut butter and jelly. Mm-hmm. So she's probably like. She probably had a moment of, of disappointment when she bit into that sandwich. Oh, no doubt. Like, you even screwed this up. But that's what makes it work is because mm-hmm. you, you take it down for a moment and then you bring it back up with something even better. That's the roller coaster. Mm-hmm. It's the roller coaster of love. <laughs> I, I say this as someone who knows no moves. <laughs> no, Rob is putting this one in his back pocket for, for date night. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> After the 11 days, the planet returns. However, Isaac detects that the planet has evolved considerably more than 11 days would allow. An away team of Mercer, Grayson, Malloy, Alara, and Lamar take a shuttle to the surface. 
And there's that cloak again. Mm-hmm. Which is helpful in a lot of situations. Mm-hmm. That we don't use it in. <laughs> we just go in with like hopeful optimism. Yeah. And then it's like, oh, we should have used the cloak. <laughs> so the next time we use the cloak, I mean, I talk about it like I'm on the ship with them. Yeah, um, so obviously. I did enjoy Malloy's like dialogue in these scenes mm-hmm. just with the, you know, how did that happen in 11 days? She's like, I don't know, drugs. <laughs> like I, I enjoyed a lot of the humor in this episode. And when they're trying to explain, like, how could this happen on the planet surface? And when he says, like, oh, dumb guys who also might be a little drunk. Yeah. I think that stuff's hysterical. I don't know if it's your. It wasn't my bag, really. Oh, I was laughing so hard when I was watching this one. I didn't even really get the jokes, to be honest. I think they just went over my head. Oh, I I don't know. I just maybe I was very tired last night, but I just actually really i don't think i was i think i just really enjoyed the humor in this episode i enjoy the situational humor far more than like one-liners like the latchkin bit was great Mm -hmm. that stuff i love it was interesting that they weren't like you shouldn't hold the latchkin and like instead it was just like oh he'll learn look i have so (laughs) many questions about latchkin but (laughs) i know it's hot potato with knives i feel like (laughs) once on the surface a 14th century looking city stands where the village used to Isaac reports a temporal inconsistency, suggesting that time in the other universe moves much faster than theirs. While 11 days have passed for them, about 700 years have passed for the planet. Cool. I know. I think it was interesting, too, that, he, you know, Ed's like, oh, we got to synthesize clothes, which is also pretty cool. But instead, they just go to steal them. (laughs) Yeah, the crew goes to take some clothes from a nearby home to blend in and are caught by the homeowner. She asks Grayson to bless her son and Kelly humors her but like you were saying bad decision by the crew yeah sure it's gonna take a little more time to synthesize clothes but why not pick up binoculars why not synthesize clothes why not take precautions why not scan for human life forms come on there's gotta be a there's like there's scanners right so like you gotta you know maybe see if there's like a living breathing person who might come out that door at any moment i just i thought it was interesting that stealing and they did make comment like oh stealing right now or whatever Mm -hmm. and i'm like yeah why wouldn't you just synthesize you already contaminated culture well i guess at this point they hadn't realized that yet but i did think it was interesting that it's like yeah let's go steal stuff from that and we'll bring it back later very lucky they have clothes that fit all of them too you know Mm -hmm. it worked out really well that there was a family that had all the same sizes as them even though they had children and whatnot and nobody accidentally grabbed like kids clothes or anything Mm -hmm. and why wouldn't they have just run away when she came out with the kid, even if they're like, come back? I don't know. And like, I, I thought it was interesting because I feel like wouldn't Ed have been like, no, we got to go. This isn't OK. Yeah. One would think. But instead, like the whole blessing of the child still happened. But I guess they were trying to put the pieces together at that point. Kelly was a bit off in a lot of her decision making in this episode. Oh, man. Then the whole crew got a little off in their decision making. Yeah. Heading toward the city, they pass several dead bodies hung on stakes. They ask a passerby what happened, and he says they were deniers who were punished for forsaking the word of Kelly. It all sinks in. Yeah, I feel like the magnitude of just three people being hung or hanged. You guys know what I mean. Well, that's if they're being hung by the neck. So they're just hanging from stakes. I know. So they're hanging from the stakes. Yes. But they're dead. Yes. So it's kind of very like uh, Handmaid's Tale a little bit. Which I don't know if you've seen. I haven't seen it. Nope. The, the, the bad people get hung on a wall. And so it's very similar to that. Like if you don't believe in the, the specific yeah. word or like it's very uh, it's like a punishment. There was a similar thing in Game of Thrones as well. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So it's it's I feel like the magnitude of that being like, wait, this is all because I healed a small child 700 years ago. So that means for 700 years, people are dying because of that. Yeah, it's nuts. Unrelated side note, Ed looks like the scarecrow, right? <laughs> in his in his costume. Oh yeah, with yeah, with the little like yes. head head thing he's got going on. He does look like the scarecrow. I feel like he purposely picked the worst outfit for himself. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't it wasn't a great outfit, but he did fit in. That's true. So absolutely. I have to say, like, I think someone who's just willing to be like, Yeah, I'm gonna wear this, like just with the confidence of Look, if he's gonna drink the Opsada, he's gonna wear the scarecrow outfit. Yeah, so yeah. I mean it's just it's the it's the nature of things. In the city square, three men who are accused of theft are cut and left to bleed out unless the great and almighty Kelly confirms their innocence by healing them. Grayson wants to intervene, but Ed doesn't let her. 
As they enter a church, they see a giant statue of Kelly that, like you said, is very detailed. It's like perfect. Yeah. But it is uh, that would be shocking. And I feel like the guilt would be crushing. Oh, no doubt. This whole bit reminded me of the Salem witch trials. Yeah. It's very, um, like later on, it was we see more of like the clergy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a, it's very Catholicism-esque. Yeah, yeah. Kind of like Mother Mary a little bit. Mm-hmm. But it was like awful. Like they just like slit those guys' wrists in the middle of the square and bleed out. Yeah, it's very like medieval and barbaric. And mm-hmm. it's just an interesting um, concept because I learned a lot about Catholicism in school when I was growing up and history of it. And just, I don't know, like at that time frame, it was very interesting the parallels that they made with it. Mm-hmm. And just later on, when people in power abuse the power that they have and. You know, it just reminded me a lot of the stuff that I learned in history where they left things out of the Bible and stuff mm. just so that they could control the populations. And this had a very big feel of that to me. History is written by the victors type idea. Mm-hmm. Back on the Orville, Mercer once again contacts Admiral Ozawa and she is not happy. She scolds Mercer for allowing the mistake as well as leaving it out of his report. She orders them not to return to the surface until the planet develops to the point of achieving space flight, at which point they would be completely allowed to make contact with them because it seems their mm-hmm. kind of idea of cultural contamination like that thought is very much in line with the prime directive of the Federation. And that's that's their thing in the Federation. They don't say necessarily space flight. They say light speed travel. Yeah. So there's a little bit of a difference here, but the same basic idea. Yeah. During the scene, I was like, oh, he didn't hang up. And then he did his whole, like, that's in order kind of thing. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Because she's like, what did you say? And I just, I had, in my head, I was like, I don't think he hit hang up on the call. And then he did that. But, I mean, how bad would that be to do that in front of an admiral who you just already. Yeah, I, I wasn't a fan of doing it here. I like the bit. But when the stakes are as high as they are in this moment, like, things were already super tense. She just mm-hmm. cut him some slack, too. If he's on a call with an admiral that's being a bit of a dick, mm-hmm. it feels like the humor works better because we're siding with Ed. But if we're siding with the admiral who's already cutting him some slack and he does it, Ed's just a jerk here. I still thought it was really funny, but I I wonder if he did it because, you know, it's that trying to protect Kelly and kind of loose, like lightening the blow. Oh, I'm sure he did, but yeah. just didn't hang up. Would be the first thing I, I get paranoid that I've accidentally like, called someone on my phone. Yeah, and then I'm like complaining about my day, and so I, I mean, I'd be making sure that before I did anything like that, I would hang up the communication with the admiral. Yeah, Grayson is concerned and frustrated that she's being prevented from attempting to fix her mistake. She returns to her quarters to be alone. A little later, Mercer and the away team show up to take her back to the planet. Mm-hmm. So they're breaking orders, obviously, mm-hmm. which I don't know why. Why? And again, <laughs> the Admiral just cut them some slack and Ed was just a dick to her. And he's still like, OK, we're violating our orders again. I think it's because Kelly had extreme guilt about it. Oh, he's still doing things for her. Like, yeah, this is all leading up to the end of the episode for sure. Yeah. But it just was like, you're going to go down to the planet. I understand them wanting to try to fix it. Like, I kind of support the attempt, even though they were ordered not to. If I feel okay, we should. (laughs) I feel like I'm getting (laughs) ahead of myself. With 31 minutes before the planet phases out of their universe again, the away team enters the church. There, they meet Volandis, a religious leader. Grayson reveals herself to be the same Kelly that they worship and convinces Volandis that she is only a mortal like them who used a tool to heal that little girl. Side note, I hate watching people cut themselves just in general. Yeah, it's pretty. It's pretty. I will say they don't bleed as much on this show when they cut themselves as probably in real life, which is for obvious reasons. I feel like Um, Volandis was less skilled at that plate and cut a little deeper than Kelly did. It also those were deep cuts. Yeah, like I um, I thought it was a valiant effort. Like she takes the robe off and it's like, oh, my gosh, it's her. And then I don't think in that short amount of time you can really explain away that much history and that much lore in a way mm-hmm. but she did show him that and he did seem like Lannis did seem like 
a reasonable person. Like, that's the thing. Even though it was such a short time, I think they actually did a nice job with the time they had available in proving their point. And Volandis bought it. Like, even though this is a guy who probably, I don't even know at what point he started really following the religion, but he's devoted his life to this religion. And on some psychological level, there's a point where you want to not believe something that goes against your kind of belief state. Mm -hmm. But he was open minded enough to accept it and be like, this is the truth. And I'm going to tell people and let them decide for themselves. So, I mean, it worked. Yeah, it seems to me this is where a lot of that like Catholicism threads too, Mm -hmm. like just with the outfits and every outfits, costumes. Sure. Their religious gear. The thing that was interesting about this scene to me, too, was that he did seem so receptive of it. And then they had to leave so quickly. Mm-hmm. But she left the robe on the floor yeah. and she would have been running through the town. I mean, in my head canon, they probably realized, oh, crap, put this back on. They ran back in and grabbed mm-hmm. it. But if they didn't, that would have caused like hysteria. Oh, absolutely. In the streets. Yeah. When the crew leaves, Volandis insists that the truth must be known by everyone. A church dignitary disagrees, insisting that the truth would compromise their ability to govern the people. As a result, the dignitary stabs and kills Volandis. So even though they succeeded in what they wanted to do and might have actually influenced things, even though there probably would have still been a sect of Kelly believers, regardless of what happens, everything that they just accomplished was totally undone by one power corrupt person. Mm hmm. Which the guy saw his shot and he just took it. Mm hmm. And that's like the one bad egg. And that made a whole nother 700 years of the Kelly stuff. Yeah. Because he saw a way to control people, which is so awful. But I think it was an interesting, I don't know, allegory uh, of religion. Yeah. It's one of the arguments either against or for religion is that it is a form of control. Mm-hmm. And this, you know, the, the guy was trying to do the right thing to try to figure out the best way to handle it was just removed from the board completely Mm -hmm. because somebody's like, I find a way that I can uh, have people do what I want them to, which is so awful. It is. 11 days later, the planet returns to their universe. Their technology has now reached a 21st century level. They scan the planet's broadcasts and learn that their return visit changed nothing. In the briefing room, Grayson thinks it was because they didn't have enough time. Claire suggests they leave something behind on the planet and Kelly thinks she should go. Ed argues with her about it when Isaac chimes in. He proposes that he should go, as his lifespan and perception of time make it much easier for him to endure. With Isaac safely on the planet, it once again phases away. I thought it was interesting when they were skating through stuff. There's like a super church, something like kind of Mm -hmm. Fox News, CNN kind of deal. And it was very much like our modern time. Oh, yeah. It looked very much like our exact technology level. Mm -hmm. And... You know, I'm sure like when you see that, it must have been so disappointing to see like the amount of, again, death and destruction for 700 years still in her name. Mm -hmm. Like I don't know how I don't know that I would ever really get over that. Maybe the guilt of it all would just be too much for me. But I agree. But I feel like some of that is alleviated with a scene coming in a little bit later. Yeah. Yeah. And so that is true. I, I will say that. But at this moment, this moment I would be racked yeah, awful. with guilt. Yep. And so I thought it was really cool that Isaac was volunteering to do something because it does make sense for him to go. Mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting because I was actually nervous. I was like, what if what if they just like saw Isaac and just tore him apart? You know, sure. or if he helped advance the civilization, that's another form of cultural contamination. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he goes and then you have to wait a full 11 days to just waiting to see what happens yeah that's the craziest part Mm -hmm. that's probably the longest 11 days especially after leaving him on the planet Mm -hmm. so i i thought that they the tension of this whole thing was very because i how would what what could be on the other side of it Mm. it could have been anything yeah i would love to at some point see something come back like isaac mentioning even in passing about the time he spent on this planet just in like a future episode Mm mm-hmm I think that'd be kind of cool. I think that would be cool, too. I because for him, it's just more research. Yeah. Like it was a win win for him. Yeah. Like he gets to see a whole civilization develop in real time. Because I also wonder if Kelly had gone down like Ed had said, though, they have Internet and things like that at this point. It's they could tear her apart. Yeah. I think no matter what the situation would have been super difficult. Oh, for sure. 
so it was just an interesting um way to i don't know finalize the episode and just kind of wrap it all together because i'm like how how could isaac technically convince this entire world population that kelly's not a deity yeah but he is a superior life or being, so maybe he would... His existence is some proof mm-hmm. in in things they're unaware of being completely true. Yeah. Another 11 days have passed, and the planet returns, having advanced significantly. A vessel approaches the Orville and hails them, asking to come aboard. Two of the planet's inhabitants, along with Isaac, teleport onto the bridge. More teleporters! I know! I wrote teleportation with an exclamation yeah. point. Yeah! <laughs> Um, and I, I don't know. I really like that. So I'm thinking in the Orville's time frame, mm-hmm. they don't have that capability quite ironed out yet. No, it doesn't seem like it. So maybe someday that'll be like a big, a big reveal. What do you think about the visitors like clothing and appearance and everything? At first, it seemed more shiny than it actually was. Mm-hmm. Which, Like they went into the boardroom, quote unquote, or the meeting room. And, you know, it is it's always interesting to see future fashion. It seemed interesting that it's all white, kind of like elevated, bubbly, textured. I didn't love it, but I didn't hate it. It's just very angelic. Yeah, it wasn't awful, but it was very separate. And I think that's more important. I also mm-hmm. found it interesting that it was probably a very purposeful choice that they were darker skinned because that's kind of the direction that civilization goes as mm-hmm. as the uh, intermingling of different races and everything happens that tends to win out. So if that happens over the course of centuries, I think that's the likely scenario. I think it's interesting how trying to differentiate to from like our current timeline mm-hmm. to where they are now. I'm curious how did Isaac influence their tech and how the planet itself grew i don't think so and they actually do make a bit of a comment about it they they make a comment about how the planet grew not about the tech but i think isaac was smart enough to stay kind of hands off on that yeah i was just curious if isaac was like oh it doesn't really affect anything if i teach them how to make xyz you know because his technology at that point if we saw a being like that come to us in our time frame it would be mind-blowing oh totally and horrifying which is why I'm like, I would have, like you said, loved to hear about what that was like for Isaac when he first got there. Yeah. Or a documentary episode. <laughs> there you go. That's one of the themed episodes I'd be okay with. <laughs> it was like a documentary episode of when Isaac was on the surface of uh, this planet. In the briefing room, Mercer and Grayson meet with the aliens, and Isaac explains that he didn't actually have to do anything. The planet's inhabitants were shocked by his presence at first, but eventually grew used to him and evolved as they would have. Kelly apologizes for all the trouble she caused, but they insist that their mythology would have simply found another face that wasn't hers. It's just the nature of a culture's evolution. Yeah, which I do think, like you said, helps ease Kelly's guilt. Yeah. It is interesting, though, because it maybe would have been another face, but it was her face. Yeah. And so there is a little bit more of a personal thing. But I do think that that was a kind thing for them to do to extend that to her because I'm sure they understand what guilt is and mm-hmm. they seem very similar to the human race. So it, I don't know. It's just I feel like I would have a hard time going to sleep at night. Oh, totally. <laughs> and even if this alleviated a lot of the guilt of, oh, it would have been anybody. She still messed up mm-hmm. in a way that she should know better. So that alone is enough to make you feel pretty awful. And then you just compound it with all the people killed in her name, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's when you think about the sheer carnage. But again, can't undo it. Mm -hmm. You kind of just have to make your peace with it. So I think that was a very kind thing for them to extend that to her Mm -hmm. and bring Isaac back. Yeah. In one piece. (laughs) Ed and Kelly meet in the mess hall. Kelly tells him that it won't work between them. She says that the two of them being in a relationship would jeopardize their command. So for now... They need to ignore their feelings. Which I agree with Kelly. Mm -hmm. She's right. She's right. And it was a sad scene because it was just like, oh, you know, you root for them. And I think that Kelly spoke too much logic and too much truth that it was hard to disagree Mm -hmm. with. And yet it does set up future episodes for even though she said we have to ignore our feelings. She made a very clear point to say for now. Mm hmm. Which, you know, in a way is always like that kind of false hope, Mm -hmm. maybe. 
It's almost like the like leading him on and pining for a what if. But I can understand where she's coming from because she also has the feelings for him. It's not just one sided. Right. So I don't know. It it was a very like sad way to end season one. Mm-hmm. But it was a yeah, like you said, it leaves an open door for potential in the future since this is the end of season one. Yeah. And it storyline wise gives us a will they won't they that gets to continue a little longer. Mm hmm. So overall, I I don't know. I thought that what Kelly said had a lot of weight, and I can't disagree with her. Yeah. So, what is your big takeaway from this episode, the season finale? I know. I can't believe we're done with season one. I was like, oh, there's another episode, and then I looked last night, and I was like, no. So we're jumping into season two after yes. this, which is crazy. I really enjoyed this episode. I thought the concept was really interesting and it would have been challenging to come up and fabricate all of this. And I, I enjoyed watching through every seven centuries. And so for me, I was like, this is this is kind of my, up my alley. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the time traveling aspect of it. It's not really time traveling, but in a way it is. It is. Yeah, because the time distortion almost. Yeah, time distortion and just seeing something from this side evolve was exciting to me i thought it was a really exciting episode Mm -hmm. and i i know you didn't love the humor in this episode but i laughed so hard during this episode and i thought it had some of the best lines in it and it flowed really well i felt like it was a really it was a really good like episode to end season one on i agree what did you think yeah, I mean, some of the one-liners didn't get me, get me, but they also didn't really bother me too much, aside from Ed's mm-hmm. Ed's thing with the Admiral. That was the one thing that kind of, like, just jerked me a little bit in the weird direction. But um, yeah, I do really like this episode. I think it's very strong. I also need to compare it to Next Gen, because this episode has a lot in common with the TNG episode, Who Watches the Watchers? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember that one. I mean, again, I need to rewatch. That's all right. So in that one, the inhabitants of a planet discover uh, they discover a Federation observation post and it leads Crusher to violate the prime directive by healing one of their inhabitants. And that results in them worshiping the Picard. Mm. So it's a similar idea. See, every time you like explain them, like it's yeah. always in the back of my mind. I'm like, oh, yeah. So there's that one. Yeah, that is very similar. But even though there are the similarities in the premise, there are enough unique things in this episode that separate it from that one. So they're doing that idea, but they're also doing some other things on top of that. Yeah. Uh, I really like the concept of the planet phasing, as I mentioned before. That's super cool going between the mm-hmm. two universes. The time being offset between them. Also great. So we can see all the consequences of their actions playing out over the long term. Love that as well. Yeah. Uh, It's interesting to see an episode in which no matter what they did, right or wrong, events kind of played out as they would regardless. So Kelly's mistake gave them a face for their mythology, but they would have chosen one regardless. They tried to fix the mistake, but corruption prevented that. Mm-hmm. Isaac went down to fix it, and that ultimately didn't help either. It didn't matter at all. So all the actions they took were kind of inconsequential, and it was really just about looking at everything as it happens. And it was kind of an episode just exploring cultural evolution and development, and that was kind of cool. And then they mm-hmm. layered the sci-fi stuff on top of it, like the phasing planet and the time jumps and all that. And I just I really like the mesh of everything. And yet at the end of it, it made me wonder, is this episode saying that the prime directive is not important because nothing mattered? Well, I was wondering in the final report, did they leave out that they went back? Right. Like they went back against orders. And I don't think they were authorized to leave Isaac on a planet for 700 years. Mm-hmm. How would that not get back to somebody? <laughs> Yeah. You know, like, unless it was like, this is confidential, but I don't know that it maybe says like the prime directive isn't important, but maybe that's sometimes just out of your control. That's probably more fair. And that she probably shouldn't have run down from the hill and healed the small child, but she probably also should have mm-hmm. scoped things out a little better before just going down without seeing what she was getting herself into. So I think there's probably just 
life sometimes things are just out of your control even yeah. when you try to do the best you can which is a very real message <laughs> like things are gonna happen you can try to do what you want to do but life mm -hmm. does what it does as well so uh and to kind of wrap it up i also really like the final scene because i think the final scene is about ed and kelly's relationship and that means we're ending the first season on the same topic that the show started off with the very first scene of the very first episode is also about their relationship so we're keeping that thread going through everything and that's just i yeah. like that they're not dropping it like keep it going it's an important part of the show and this kind of brings that full circle before we hop into season two yeah and i think they did a good job wrapping up this season and not leaving a lot of mm -hmm. too many threads hanging loose or anything like that and i i appreciate when a show does that because sometimes cliffhangers are great and this is kind of a cliffhanger but not in the same way right where it's right. like is this character gonna die kind of thing so it is nice to have i don't know some levity to things yeah and walk away from it feeling like oh that affected me in some way versus like oh yeah. my god i can't wait to find out what happens yeah this is a really really good episode i really enjoyed it me too i think this is one of the best episodes from season one agreed before we get out of here, we have one more thing to do because Katie's husband, Mark, is a fan of the Orville as well and likes to leave us with his one sentence review. It's OK, Ed. I'm sure Kelly will come around in the future. Quantum Drive is a production of The Geek Generation. If you like this show, be sure to check out our other podcasts on The Geek Generation Network at thegeekgeneration.com. If you'd like to support the show and get access to exclusive bonus podcasts along with other perks, you can visit our Patreon campaign at thegeekgeneration.com slash support. You can follow Quantum Drive on Twitter at Quantum Drive Pod and me at the Rob Logan. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayKatiePlay and on Twitch at KatiePetersPlays. And Katie is spelled K-A-T-I-E. Please rate the show and write a review on Apple Podcasts. If you do, we may read your review on an upcoming episode. Finally, questions and comments can be sent to quantumdrive at thegeekgeneration.com. We're out of here for now, but we'll see you soon in, in the, the future. future.